Today on the Daily Gator Daily Thoughts, we've got the Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina under fire uh, and called on to resign after his latest remarks on LGBTQ plus minus uh, enter your zip code here, whatever they're calling it these days. And I don't think he's going to go for it. We have Joyless Reed, perhaps the biggest party pooper in the world, uh, criticizing Eric Clapton because things Eric Clapton said about vaccines and people not being allowed to, to attend concerts with vaccine uh, mandates. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit. We'll get into the uh, the uh, butthurt of a poor, poor liberal singer who I personally never heard of. Uh, and now she's getting people to pay for abortions somehow out of that. Oh, more dead babies, just what we need. We've got people in Colorado that need to learn to stay away from bull elks, especially this time of year. It could end very badly for you. We've got uh, some more Grudengate. Um, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas being attacked again because he has a set of conservative uh, principles that he believes in. We've also got uh, Demi Lovato saying something. Well, she's Demi Lovato. Uh, we've got uh, the war on marriage and the uh, Biden spend $3.5 trillion and bankrupt the country bill. And yeah, yes, yes, we have a horrible, horrible, horrible event that uh, led to a lawsuit somehow over the color of a firefighter actually the color of three firefighters but only two of their colors matter all that and more today my friends on the daily gator daily thought with me doug hagan of the daily gator blog stick with us going to be fun going to be informative and yes we are going to kick this pig of North Carolina and we have a situation with their lieutenant governor who is a very conservative man uh, he is also black 
So when you're black, you don't get any defense if you're a conservative because you're considered not authentically black by the non-racist liberals in the world. You keep track of that. Elected officials and advocacy groups, also known as gigantic pains in the ass, are calling on North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson to resign, quit, take a hike, leave and don't come back. Because he made remarks about educating children on LGBTQ topics, referring to it as filth, the Associated Press reported. Let's be honest. He didn't refer to LGBTQ people as trash or filth, rather, excuse me. He was speaking of textbooks that were far too graphic, far too sexual in nature, and were really above the age and not healthy for children to read. That's what he's angry about. 99% of it is that. It's nothing against the people. It's nothing against education, but it's that let's take kids really young and indoctrinate them, which is left is uh, very good at doing. Uh, there's no reason anybody anywhere in America should be telling any child about transgenderism, homosexuality, any of that filth, Robinson said, while speaking at the Asbury Baptist Church in Seagrove. And uh, again, I think there's age-appropriate ages probably, and the governor can disagree with me. That's fine. Um, but when you're talking about small children, no, that shouldn't happen. And, uh, of course, there's been an, it's what they call an outcry, ladies and gentlemen. Over these comments added to existing public criticism for the politician's effort to alter how public schools could talk about racism. He doesn't like critical race theory, basically, which means, of course, he is painted by the left as a knuckle-dragging bigot. Uh, the White House Human Rights Campaign, equally, I'm sorry, Equality North Carolina, and top Democratic lawmakers are among those who have decried Robinson's remarks. The AP reported, well, if all those people have criticized you, Mr. Lieutenant Governor, you're probably doing a good job because uh, those folks are pretty much devoid of any common decency. Uh, the Human Rights Campaign, they have an interim president, uh, Joni Madison, called on the Republican lawmaker to resign in a statement warning that he could see a similar fate as Governor Pat McCrory, who lost the 2016 election months after signing a bill requiring state residents to use restrooms consistent with the gender they were assigned at birth. In other words, if you've got a penis, you can't go in the ladies' room, okay? And vice versa. Really crazy bill, right? I wonder... I wonder if these leftists ever think of women as anything but a tool. Because women are fine if they're feminist, if they want to have abortions, if they want to be left-wing. But as soon as a woman says, you know, I don't want a transgender man in the bathroom with me. I don't want to be in, alone in a women's room, maybe. What is this, me and a man? What about the woman's comfort level? What Aren't we supposed to believe the woman? Not in this case, apparently. So... Uh, He's being threatened with being kicked out of office via election. You know what? I don't think he cares. If Lieutenant Governor Robinson still doesn't understand how anti-LGBTQ plus 
plus what? I don't know. Rhetoric is received in North Carolina. He should ask former Governor Pat McCrory, Madison said. And uh, I don't know, Lieutenant Governor, if he had any response to uh, Miss Madison. I'll give you one from him, though. Probably sum it up. Why don't you uh, fold it five ways, lady? How's that? Uh, the White House called Robinson's comment repugnant and offensive. And let's face it, you got you to give him credit here because does anything know better what repugnant and offensive is like than uh, Jen Psaki? Yeah, circle back on that. Uh, the state Republican Party in North Carolina's two most powerful state laws, law makers, House Speaker Tim Moore and Senate Leader Phil Berger, they haven't, they haven't uh, commented. State Senator Jeff Jackson of Mecklenburg County campaigning to be the Democrats' 2022 uh, U.S. Senate nominee tweeted that Robinson's comments were real hatred. Not that fake hatred, real hatred. Uh, well, I'd say you're a real hack, Jeff Jackson, most likely. He should step down, Jackson wrote. This isn't hard, folks. Basic D.C. is all we need to agree on to see that. Well, maybe not. Uh, Roy Cooper, who's a Democratic governor of North Carolina, his office called Robinson's remarks that were made in June abhorrent. They were made four months ago and we're still bitching about it. Move on. Move on, okay? Circle back first like Jen Psaki and then move on, but move on. Uh, again, I don't. I might not agree totally with what the man said, the way he said it, but you know what? I respect the man because he's not going to back down from what he said. And his basic point is correct. We don't need children being taught propaganda, and we do not need children being taught things that are not age-appropriate. Okay? No indoctrination. Education, not indoctrination. And speaking of indoctrination, the mistress of indoctrination, Joyless Reed is, well, she's angry! Can you believe it? Joy Reid angry? I've never seen such a thing. She's such a pleasant, sunshiny kind of person who's never, ever angry or bitter or ranting or raving or foaming at the mouth or calling anybody who dares disagree with her horrible names and accusing them of doing all kind of terrible things. Well, let me say this. Perhaps, perhaps we should just, uh, just listen to Joy Reid uh, for a minute and see what she had to say about uh, a legendary uh, musician who's given a lot more to the world than Joy Reid ever will. Let's have a listen, shall we? Celebrities have the power to sway millions of people, which is why it's so alarming when particularly the ones with huge platforms publicly spread vaccine disinformation. Rock and roll icon Eric Clapton is the latest example, making news today for donating a van and 1,000 pounds to British anti-vax group Jam for Free. As Rolling Stone reported today, that's just the tip of the iceberg for Clapton. He participated in one of singer Van Morrison's four anti-lockdown songs last year. And he's spoken out against the vaccine ever since he claimed he had adverse effects from it, blaming pro-vaccine propaganda. Clapton then released an anti-vax song called This Has Gotta Stop and went on a tour of Red America where he took a picture with bounty hunter, bounty hunter Texas Governor Greg Abbott, because of course he did. Now, what really stands out about white anti-vaxxers in particular is that they act like their freedom has been taken. 
taken from them. And they have this weird habit of trying to do that by co-opting the history of actually oppressed people. Like former SNL comedian Jim Brewer, who blamed the cancellation of his shows on segregation or forcing people to show up with vaccines and declared that, quote, I'm not going to be enslaved to the system. Yeah, because getting a free vaccine is exactly like slavery at Jim Crow. Clapton is no different. He claimed that vaccine mandates are discrimination. The lyrics of his song with Van Morrison include, do you want to be a free man or do you want to be a slave? And as Rolling Stone points out, this isn't Clapton's first nasty brush with matters of race. He used a derogatory term to describe his friend Jimi Hendrix in 1968, though the magazine points out it was, quote, hipster slang at the time. And at a concert in 1976, he went on a racist rant that included him saying, stop Britain from becoming a black colony. Keep Britain white. It was particularly shocking at the time because Clapton's music was heavily influenced, one might say appropriated, from black musicians. One of his biggest hits was a cover of Bob Marley's I Shot the Sheriff. As musician Red Saunders wrote at the time, own up, half your music is black. You're a good musician, but where would you be without the blues and R&B? Clapton has apologized for his racist past, blaming it on his addictions to alcohol and drugs. But his behavior over the past year is also questionable, and as Rolling Stone put it, Clapton went from setting the standard for rock guitar to making full-tilt racist rants and becoming an outspoken vaccine skeptic. Did he change, or was he always like this? I mean, maybe he's just a jerk. So Eric Clapton, for your dangerous rhetoric on COVID precautions and vaccinations, you are tonight's absolute worst. And there is Joy Reed, my friends. What a wonderful human being she is. Uh, just absolutely uh, a pain in everyone's uh, back end, frankly, is what she is. Now, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I don't get a lot of the things I read on Facebook from some of the anti-vax people. Some of it just makes me want to hit myself in the head with a hammer. It's so stupid, frankly. But I'm not going to criticize people for not getting a shot. That's their business. Some people have religious, legitimate religious reasons. Some people just have hesitancy. Lord knows the media has told us so many messages, and others have, that no wonder a lot of people don't trust them. I mean, on Monday, they'll tell you that, by God, we got to get a vaccine, 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 vaccine. Then on Tuesday here, they're laying tens of thousands of illegal aliens born in the country with no tests, no vaccines, no nothing. Which is it? Pick a side. Of course, Joey Reed's not going to tell you anything like that. And as far as the shots about Clapton saying, I think, early 70s, over 50 years ago, right at 50 years ago, uh, what he said about uh, keeping Britain white or whatever he said, uh, you know, he was probably drunker than 17 sailors that night. Uh, he's had some issues with that. But there is no shortage. You don't have to uh, search very hard on YouTube to see Clapton the past God knows how many years, as long as he's been playing, probably. Uh, playing with a guy like Buddy Guy, another great guitar god, who's, by the way, black. Uh, or with B.B. King, the late great B.B. King. Or with Robert Cray. Or with, uh, he played with Jimi Hendrix. He, Hendrix was uh, inspired by Clapton, as so many are. So, I mean, if you're going to single out Clapton and call him a racist, you might want to temper that. Because you've seen him play with all those gentlemen. Uh, you saw him play with Carlos Santana, who's not white either, but he is a great guitarist. 
you've seen him play with all types of great guitarists. And it's kind of ludicrous to say the man has any racism in him. As far as his, his personal experience with the vaccine, he said he had a bad experience. Look, it does happen. I mean, I've never had a flu shot in my life. I'm going to get one this year uh, because I'm getting older. And I, again, I care for my mother. I am her caregiver. Uh, she can't live alone. I'm here. So, yeah, I need to get a flu shot, too, even though she always gets hers. Because it's a responsible thing to do. That's why I had the COVID vaccine when it became available when she got it. And if they offer me the, the booster, I don't know if they will, uh, I'll take that too. And you know what? Anybody who would criticize me for it can go get you know what. But I'm not going to criticize you if you don't. So, Joy Reid, you might want to stop criticizing people. And you might want to stop abusing the nastiness, ugliness, evil of slavery. Because when Jim Brewer talked about being a slave to the vaccine, what he's talking about is a segregated society where if you don't have your vaccine, you might not be able to work, might not be able to go to a grocery store and shop for food. You might not be able to go many places. So he's not comparing anything to slavery, Joey. He's actually talking what he fears might happen. And you know what? He's got some legitimate fears. Because the left will use anything to gain more power. So, yeah, I think that uh, Clapton has a point. I think Jim Brewer has a point. It's complicated. Unlike you, Joy, you're simple. You're just a person who goes on TV five nights a week and spouts venom, anger, hatred, and bigotry and fake charges of racism because it pays your bills. And speaking of singers, uh, the ACL, you don't know what that is, do you? See, you're not an in-tune media person like me, so you don't know what ACL stands for, do you? No, you don't, because I'm special. It's the Austin City Limits, who's been uh, responsible for a lot of great music. Now, Phoebe Bridgers who I have never heard of before today. Uh, she's blonde, looks cute, plays a guitar, uh, acoustic guitar. So I don't know anything about her music. Okay, but Phoebe Bridgers was angry, none too pleased, when those who organized at the Austin City Limits Festival, well, they cut the sound in her performance early over the weekend. How mad was she? Uh, she she tweeted LOL F-U-C-K and uh, ACL uh, in a single deleted message on Saturday shortly after her set was cut off in the middle of her final song I Know the End well if you know the end you didn't really have to play your song did you but anyway she was not happy and I don't blame her you wouldn't be happy if they cut you off by accident but some attendees suggested that the move was a result of the singer going over her set time. Yeah, that's not cool, Phoebe. ACL issued a statement to the Austin American Statesman on Monday, which was actually yesterday, explaining the incident. Unfortunately, due to a miscommunication on stage by ACL festival personnel, the sound on the final song 
of the Phoebe Bridger set was cut off during our ACL Fest weekend to performance. We wish this had not happened and extend our apologies to, uh, apologies to Phoebe after positive conversations between festival organizers and the artist about the situation. ACL Fest has made a donation to Texas abortion funds to show support, show our support for Phoebe and an organization close to her heart. So apparently she likes killing babies then. She likes paying for other people to kill their children in the womb. Wow. That's, uh, you seem kind of, uh, I don't know. You seem kind of uh, less desirable and less nice now, uh, Miss Phoebe Bridgers. So you make up for some mistake, which was a mistake, shouldn't have happened. Uh, and then you give money to appease the person you offended by, well, you know, paying to have babies killed, I guess. That's, uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing, really, it is. Very sad, my friend. Very, very sad that we have to uh, uh, go through this. But uh, can we talk about uh, wildlife for a minute? Enough about Phoebe Bridgers. Let's talk about wildlife. Yes. If you are in Estes Park, Colorado, which I used to go every year for vacation, there are herds of elk congregating in the valleys. It draws thousands of tour tourists each September and October, mainly because the elk are very active. This is the rut. You see a lot of bull, bull elk fighting over girls. Uh, you see a lot of bull elk running around bugling and acting like they're really full of testosterone because they are full of testosterone. So it's their, their big mating season. And some dummies don't understand this and they get way too close and try to get a picture. Here, here, let me put my arm around the bull elk, honey. This will be good. We'll send copies to everybody for Christmas. Oh my God, why is he trying to kill me? It's a thousand pound animal with a massive rack of corns on his head, idiot. And he has two things on his mind. Both begin with the letter F and fighting is the other one. So figure it out. Leave them alone. Stay away from them. Don't park your car right beside them. I saw somebody's car get nailed by doing that. They rolled down the window. They were taking pictures. And uh, the, the bull elk just, you know, wasn't even a particularly big one. Let me tell you what. He gave that, that car a hell of a shot. They're wild animals, people. Okay, they're not you. They're not me. They're not as smart as me. They're probably smarter than you if you're getting that close. Leave them alone, give them some distance, respect them, ask questions about them, listen to the rangers in the uh, Rocky Mountain National Park. If, if a ranger tells you you're getting too close, you're getting too close. And by the way, there's also moose there, and moose are even bigger than elk, so you really want to pay attention to them. There's not a lot of moose, though, in that park. Uh, there's a ton of elk, a ton of elk. So don't be an idiot. Leave the elk alone, for God's sake. Elk just want to have fun and, you know, chase the ladies and make some babies. And then they probably want to go sleep for a while. So leave them alone, okay? Just use some common sense. If you don't have any, call me. I'll sell you some. I have plenty to spare. Now let's talk about... Uh, 
Well, CNN, Chris Siliza, the guy with the blue glasses, if you've ever watched CNN, he's one of the big commentators. He has an analysis, and he's CNN's editor-at-large. Now, what that means is, instead of the usual left-wing drivel you get in columns by people who work for CNN, you get really high-grade BS from, from Chris uh, Siliza, or Siliza, whatever his name is, who cares? But he... Uh, he suggests that Greg Abbott really isn't a conservative. I don't know. I don't know if anyone who knows less about being conservative than Chris does there, but we'll see. He wrote on Monday, a governor issued an executive order that banned nearly every entity in his state, including private businesses from requiring anyone to have the COVID-19 vaccine in order to return to work or keep their job. That governor was Greg Abbott. Now, I would say I don't believe a governor should be able to tell a private business. I don't believe that. Now, government offices are different, but I don't believe a governor should do that or have the authority to. So I may agree with Mr. Uh, Mr. Chris there with his blue glasses. Uh, who would engage in such sweeping assertion of the government's authority to tell private industry how to behave? None other than Texas Governor Gray Abbott, a man who fashions himself not only as a conservative, but a potential 2024 candidate. The COVID-19 vaccine is safe, effective, and our best defense against the virus, uh, but should remain voluntary and never forced. That's what Abbott said in a statement explaining his executive order. But wait. Aren't Republicans like Abbott in the party that holds as one of the core beliefs that government should not intrude in individuals' lives? That the government that governs least governs best? What's well, a legitimate question in case of the individuals he's siding with individuals? I don't know if maybe a private business owner might not. Again, uh, if you, to me, if I run a restaurant and I was the owner and I would, I would have rules about if you're sick, you're going home. You're not going to cook that night. You're not going to bust tables. You're not going to bartend. You're not going to wait tables. And some employees might not like it, but I don't want my patrons getting sick, whether it's uh, the flu or a common cold or something worse. Uh, don't I have that right as an employer? It's a very fascinating question to explore. But... CNN's trying to point out that Greg is just a, uh, Governor Abbott is just a, uh, a phony conservative. He asked, how did we get to this point and how can Abbott justify what would, would be seen as a massive government overreach if a Democratic governor had done it? The answer lies in the politics of our moments, where the enemy of your enemy must be your friend. See, President Joe Biden issued a vaccine mandate for federal workers and companies with 100 employees or more last month in an attempt to up the number of people vaccinated in an effort to mitigate the Delta variant of the coronavirus ravaging through the country's unvaccinated population. Uh, well, again, it's a fascinating question. It really is. 
But I don't believe that the government, especially the federal government, should mandate whether you have to get the vaccine or not. But again, a business owner has has certain rights over their business. That's the fascinating part to me. Uh, I've often said, I don't believe there should be the anti-discrimination laws that there are. Not that I like discrimination at all. I hate it. And I wouldn't frequent or I wouldn't, I wouldn't darken the door of a business that discriminated based on whatever. But I mean, if you want to have a bakery and bake only cakes for gay weddings, that ought to be your right. You ought to have the right to tell people who come in a nice young couple and say, look, you're a great young couple. I've seen you around the neighborhood. I'll build, I bake anything for y'all, but I'm not going to make a heterosexual wedding cake. That's their business if they want to do it. So I think a business should be able to say, you know, we don't want black people here, or we don't want white people here, or we don't want conservatives here, or we don't want liberals here. Now, let me say, it's a dumbass strategy to run a business. You're going to fail because a lot of people who, who don't belong to the demographics you're, you're, you're banning would never go to your business. You're just cutting your own throat. But if you want to be a jackass and cut your own throat, more power to you. But what's y'all's thoughts on that? That's, again, fascinating. Certain businesses, certain jobs might require being mandated for vaccine, like a surgeon or a nurse or anyone that's going to come in contact with people. It's, it's fascinating. It really is. And it goes beyond just should you or should you not get the vaccine. Should you trust them or not? It goes beyond all those questions. That's why it fascinates me so. Uh, but a cheap attempt to to bash Governor Greg Abbott, who, again, I think Greg Abbott is, Governor Abbott is saying, I want to push back against the mandates. And you heard what he said about the vaccines, very safe, the best way to fight it. Uh, I fully agree with that. And if you don't like it, too bad. But, uh, Again, the mandates and, and where the power lies, the founders would, would, I think their interest would be piqued in this question. I'd like to hear what Madison, Jefferson, Mason, uh, the people like that said about it. If they could come back, that'd be great. God, we could use them in many, many, many ways. But again, you want to share some thoughts, go to the Delegator comment. Leave me a comment. I may mention you on the air. I may mention you. If, you, if you're hot and you send me some pictures... No, not men, women. I'm discriminating here. Yes, I am. I'm being very sexist against men in this one. Uh, I'll do that too. I will because I'm here to please you. So send me a line. Tell me what you think. And maybe think about it yourself. Bring it up at a cocktail party or something. See what kind of reactions you get. You just got to be careful because there's always those one or two people you can't bring anything political up to. Because they just can't control their temper at all. Uh, you just can't. And now, well, I can't go to that yet. How about the war on, uh, war on marriage? Is there such a thing? Is marriage uh, in danger from Biden's $3.3 trillion screw up the country permanently so that no one can ever fix it bill? It could be. Let's look at uh, let's look at something and 
then let's hear a very reasoned argument from me on why all the withholdings and deductions and taxation loopholes of this hole and that hole why they need to go away, why we need a much simpler tax code, which could fix all of this stuff right after this, my friends. So away we go with this on taxation, marriage, and how the federal taxes have caused, at least in part, I believe, uh, and this piece by the Washington Examiner kind of lays it out too, have actually caused marriage to be less for fewer people to get married because of financial consequences of the negative kind and that should never happen uh, this piece again washington examiner argues that president joe biden's 3.5 trillion dollar spending agenda will only weaken it further and it writes about some of the numbers of marriage uh, in 1960, for instance, 75% of all household, households included a married couple and 44% included a married couple with children. Today, just 49% of all households include a, a married couple and 19% only uh, contain a married couple with children. Many Democrats treat marriage as a tool for patriotic, uh, patriarchal oppression. Uh, but decades of research show that it is highly beneficial, not only for children, uh, but also adults. And I believe it is. I certainly wish I had been married by now. I guess I haven't met the right gal, or maybe I screwed the opportunity up, or maybe someone else did. Maybe she did. I don't know. Uh, but even after controlling for race and income, children born to married parents reach adulthood healthy wealthy and gainfully employed at higher rates than those born to unmarried parents. Now, to me, that's just common sense. A mother, a father, that's what brings a, a child into the world. And yeah, that's the best atmosphere to grow up in. On Again, that's the standard. There are always bad examples out there. Uh, but that's how a child does best overall. I don't think there's much argument to that because it makes incredible sense, quite frankly. Uh, married adults are themselves healthier, wealthier, and happier than their unmarried counterparts. So in, no institution has a better track record than marriage of fostering successful life outcomes. For 60 years, the left has responded to this as night follows day by trying to supplant families with social engineering programs. Virtually every means tested program, Medicaid, food stamps, temporary assistance for needy families, uh, public housing and Obamacare to name just a few, punish people by stanching the flow of benefits to those who get married. So in other words, if you're getting some aid and you get married, your financial situation may not really change, but you're going to lose certain benefits because, well, now you're married. So the choice is financially, if we get married, it might hurt us. And that's going to hurt in the long run in other ways. That's why the government should have a simple a tax code. And if you're going to have social programs, 
have them that make the most sense and are applied equally. Uh, by expanding these programs, Biden's $3.5 trillion spending agenda uh, makes these marriage penalties worse. According to a new paper by the Niskanen Center, Biden's earned income tax credit expansion would by itself cause couples to lose $2,500 per year if they tie the knot. Here's the question, why? If you have a program, and I'm not defending the program, this is not about the merits of the program, the good or bad it does. This is simply about common sense. If a couple are earning something, an earned income tax credit, and those two people get married, if they still financially meet the standards, why should they not still get it? Just because they're married. There ought to be a financial standard, not a marriage, married, or single standard. Some couples would suffer more than others. Couples without children, in which one partner makes significantly more than the other, would suffer the smallest penalties. Couples in which a single mother earns about the same as her partner would suffer the most. Again, it needs to be tied with the money. If you're making more money, you can afford more of your own things. You don't need government assistance. And that should always be the goal of government assistance is to have it be when it's over. You don't need it. You don't have it anymore. And that's a good thing. Biden's Medicaid and Affordable Care Act expansions also punish marriage. Working families know these marriage penalties exist and don't think they are fair. A black working mother in Atlanta recently told a focus group about another mother who had chosen not to get married so she could keep her federal benefits. She said, I just feel like they should do something when it comes to married couples because it's sad that she has to choose between marrying a man she loves or losing the benefits that she has. That shouldn't be a choice that any working American or any American should have to make. No one should have to choose between social benefits and marriage. But that is exactly the choice the left has been forcing on generations of people. And Biden, of course, now intends to make the problem worse. That's what he does. That's what Team Biden does. Things are bad now. Yes, they're bad. When that corn pop guy was coming after me with that uh, tire chain, and I grabbed my tire, tire, tire chain, and my tire chain was made of, uh, made up of Rice Krispies. That's right, snack crapple, snack crapple and pop war with me. And I told him, I said, I'll take this chain. I'll wrap it around your legs. Then I'll kick you in the face with my hairy legs. And you won't you won't be so tough, corn pop. He ran and jumped in a bowl of milk. I ain't seen him since. That's right, I'm pro, I'm Joe Biden. I'm your president. Hey, little girl, come here. Come here. Don't you smell your hair. Yes, that's the problem. But it's not just Biden's problem. This, this predates Biden by generations. So here's my idea. I'm not going to get into the social programs. I think too many of them are weighted to... There's a punishment in them when you get off them. Or when you get married. And if you get married and you can now be off that, you ought to be off that. Whatever it is. But when it comes to taxes... It's never made any sense to me 
that you don't have a much simpler federal tax code. Taxes have one legitimate purpose, to raise revenue. Whatever that revenue is for, roads, social programs, military spending, whether it's federal level, there's state level, there's county and city level, whatever the taxes are for, the taxes ought to be as low as possible to get the desired results. Any taxes left over should be put in either a savings account or given back directly to the people. So year by year, there should be lower taxes. There should be no estate tax, no death tax. If you inherit your, your father's $10 million ranch, let's say, well, he's paid tax after tax after tax after tax on that ranch. He's paid property tax and God knows how much. Why should inheritance tax come? And, and I've had family in northern Georgia that had to go through this. They had to sell just to pay the property taxes. And whatever was left over, they kept. That's evil. That's strictly evil. The owner of the Miami Dolphins, when he passed away, his family had to sell the team to pay taxes. Again, that's evil. I don't like the idea of property taxes. And uh, I know Texas had a big, big, big problem with it. They were always too high. That's your property. Why should you really pay taxes on something you already own? And if you do, why should it be a large amount that actually hurts homeowners? It's wrong. But here's an idea for federal taxes. And leave the rest of taxes alone. If you have a man and a woman both making $50,000 a year, they meet at work, they fall in love, they get married. Why should they have to worry about how their taxes will change? Why shouldn't we just have something realistic and commonsensical in America? You're, you make a certain amount and you pay a certain percentage. Everybody, you have a personal exemption. Say, throw a number out there, 15 grand per person. So if you have this couple making 50000 apiece, they marry, why should they have to worry about filing jointly or separately? If the percentage is built in, in other words, you're making 50000 she's making 50000 that's great. Well, now you're making 100000 together, which is still 50000 apiece. Let's do an easy number to work with, 10%. Okay, you've got 10% of your income goes to taxes. Your taxable income should be, again, uh, let's say 10%. You're paying, you got a $15,000 personal exemption. Okay, so you got two people, you got 30000 personal exemption. Minus that from the 100000 you make jointly, that's seventy grand. At every April 15th, make the deadline, make the date whenever it is, make it a month, make it whatever. But you are going to have to sit down and go, okay, we made 100000 we exempt 30000 for personal stuff, and we owe 10% of 70000 we write a $7,000 check. That's simple. And yeah, you can't deduct this, you can't deduct that. There can't be 17,000 loopholes built in. Yeah, that'll, the tax cheats will hate that. The tax lawyers will hate it. But it would be so much simpler for the people. And I know that's never going to happen. 
it's never going to happen now. Uh, the only other workable system to me would be you keep everything you own and you have a national excise tax, a, a not a flat tax, but an excise tax. So instead of everyone paying the same percentage of their income, you simply pay you know, whatever it is on everything you buy. That's the only other system that will keep all the garbage out. There's no reason that taxes should be that complicated. There really isn't. One of the greatest flaws of this country is that taxes are that damned uh, complicated. And now let's move on to something else. Let's move on to racism. God, gives me a headache. Uh, the last one of these, I spoke a little bit about uh, current, now former Raiders coach, John Gruden. He had made some comments, and some people thought they were racist. And I referenced Tony Dungy and Mike Tirico. Tirico worked on uh, Monday Night Football with Gruden for several years. He said he'd never heard anything, seen anything remotely resembling anything racist out of Gruden, and he'd known him for eight years, I believe. No one else, everyone else said the same thing. Tony Dungy, who also works on the NBC Sunday Night Football, with Tariko said the same thing. And Tony Dungy basically said something very commonsensical. Uh, he apologized. We've heard, seen the remarks. Let's move on. He'd never seen anything racist out of uh, John Gruden. So I said, look, I don't know John Gruden, but everyone who, who you seem to ask has nothing, nothing to say about it that indicates anything racist, including Tim Brown, who was a wide receiver, who played years for Gruden when Gruden was coach of the, the uh, Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders, they're now the Las Vegas Raiders. Gruden left, went to Tampa Bay, won a Super Bowl, left there eventually, eventually got back with uh, Monday Night Football and then back with the Raiders organization, uh, where he just resigned from uh, last night. So, again, pretty simple. But, of course, Tony Dungy and Mike Tirico both caught some flack for daring to say anything except Gruden is scum of the earth. He has to be excommunicated from society. Everything he has, take away, call him a, call him a, a demonically possessed uh, devil and move on. Now, there have been some more emails come out that show Gruden in a worse light. Uh, I'd have to read the emails to know what they actually say. And, of course, the left's going to use this to say, see, racism still, still all over America, which I don't believe. And here is specifically the comments uh, that Tony Dungy and Mike Tirico spoke. We heard John Gruden say he addressed this. This is Tony Dungy. He gave his side of it. He said it wasn't racial that he was making a comment about DeMora Smith, and he basically attacked his character. I will accept that and just say that it was an immature way to do it. It wasn't the right way to do it, but it was 10 years ago, and I'm not going to chalk everything up to racism. That's Tony Dungy again. I think we accept his apology, move forward, and move on with his, with his team. Now, of course, there's been more emails. He said some more questionable things. Uh, the, he's, he's resigned from the Raiders coaching position. And hopefully, if I was you, John, I'd go away, enjoy my money, 
and just live a happy life. And you know what? I don't have anything against you. Half the thing you said, who knows? Who knows? Uh, it did come out that he had been not a fan of players kneeling for the national anthem, uh, which may be a big reason. Maybe someone was, found that out, was sitting on some stuff, and just waited on an opportunity because they wanted to get Gruden. Uh, a lot of people are very bitter in that way. Now, Tariko again, worked with him for years, did games with him. So he's around Gruden a lot during those eight years. I believe it was eight years. Trico said, I think if I'm being honest with the audience, I should weigh in a little bit here. I was with John at that time, seven years as my partner on Monday Night Football. I probably know John better than anybody in the league on a personal level. He said it right. He was ashamed by the comments in the email. The comments in the email are wrong, but my experience kind of parallels Tim Brown who played for John, uh, said he never experienced or saw anything that would say John was racist in any way. That was exactly the experience I had, those seven years of traveling, three days together on the road together every week. It's fair for Tariko and Dungey to share their thoughts. However, less than 24 hours later, we know that more emails came out and led to Gruden's resignation. And I got to say, uh, you know, Dungy and Tariko spoke from personal experience with Gruden. And everyone respects, immensely respects, Tony Dungy. But again, there were still people on Twitter who had to attack Dungy because he didn't come out and want to bury Gruden to begin with. It's I don't understand the, the anger and bitterness and the automatic assumption that anyone anywhere accused of racism is indeed guilty of racism and everything else you want to accuse them of. I don't get it. But there's people out there like that. And Tony Dungy addressed this afterwards. After the new emails came out, he was not a fan of, uh, for instance, how the, how the uh, league handled the draft when Michael Sams of uh, University of Missouri was the first openly gay pa player. And they, they basically the whole draft coverage revolved around Michael Sams, uh, who was a, a player who was very good in college, didn't hack it in the NFL, as many don't. It's such a big step up. But that was social engineering by ESPN to try to get the maximum ratings out of that. Uh, Dungy said on SNF, Sunday Night Football on NBC, I commented on an email sent by John Gruden. I did not defend it. I said it was inappropriate, immature, attack on a man's character, wrong. I did not attribute it all to racism and said, given a single incident 10 years ago, we should accept his apology, Gruden's apology, and move on. Now, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, he continued... Now more emails have come, more inappropriate, immature, wrongful attacks on the character of people from all walks of life. I don't defend those either. And given the apparent pattern of behavior, the Raiders did the appropriate thing in terminating John Gruden. Uh, that being said, if Gruden shows true remorse and more importantly changes his mindset and actions, I would forgive him. As Christians, that's what the Bible commands us to do because that's what God does for us. 
I know that's not popular, but it's uh, biblical. So good for, for Tony Dungy. Very classy way, very principled way to handle it because people are hating on him now. And to be honest, the problem is with some people on the left and right too, mainly on the left, I think, in my experience anyway, you have to condemn something automatically, the first inkling of anything, the first tweet that someone says, oh, look at this, you have to jump all over it, or you you will get in the same type of trouble as a person they're trying to out or destroy or harm them professionally or personally or whatever they're trying to do. That's the intimidation factor the left has. It's a very ugly thing. You have to... You have to not only allow them to do it, you have to play part in it or else. That is chilling to me. These people, the left, again, some of the things that Gruden said in those emails, if I was his boss, I would have fired him or, or given him the choice, which apparently since Gruden says I'm resigning, it doesn't matter. He's not employed anymore. I'm sure he'll get some more money out of the contract. Good for him. I don't dislike the guy. I don't know him personally. Uh, I'd like to always have the emails in front of me so I can see, A, how many there are, and B, what they exactly say. I don't trust the media, or I definitely don't trust activists to come out and say, well, basically they said this. I don't want basically. I want, the re I want to read it. Okay, I'll filter for myself. I'll opine for myself what I think these words mean. I don't need some, quote, expert slash activist, uh, which means you're gaining something financially. I don't want that uh, person explaining to me what I should believe. So, again, good for you, Tony Dungy. Classy, Tariko Classy, uh, Gruden. Just, man, and go enjoy your life. I, I didn't read anything I thought was egregiously bad. Uh, I the only thing I really disagreed with strongly is to say why would you have that opinion? Was apparently he was critical of women being officials, being on the field, being referees. Uh, why? I mean, if they can do the job, hell, most referees can't do the job very well. Uh, but if they want to do that, good for them. I, I don't have a problem with it. And enough about that. Let John Gruden live in peace. Live the guy alone. Good Lord. Let's go to uh, a Florida city. That's right. Could be a Florida man story, but it's not. It's a black woman, Florida woman story. In fact, the first uh, female black fire, fire, firefighter in this Florida city is suing over, over a mural which predicts, uh, depicts her rather with a white face. Uh, and the Daily News, New York Daily News, has a story. A Florida city is grappling with a lawsuit filed by the municipality's first black female firefighter over a mural commemorating local history that depicts her as white. Uh, Latasha Clemens, a former deputy fire chief at Boynton Beach, accused the city of defamation and negligence in a lawsuit filed last April. While with a hearing looming in November, the city council plans to meet this week to discuss the case. City manager Lori Lavery uh, told CNN Sunday, Clemens was the first black female firefighter uh, for Boynton Beach upon her appointment in 1996. 
she went on to become deputy fire chief in 2017 as the South Florida Sun Sentinel reported. In all, she worked for the city 26 years before her retirement in 2020. So what is the deal with this monument or this uh, mural? Well, I don't know who they hired to do it, uh, but they need to get their money back. It's basically three women. I believe it's three women. Uh, the only black woman in the mural is this woman. There's two other women in it with their their fire hats on. Uh, it was supposed to honor her and others for their service to the city, but reflected her as a white member of the city's fire department, according to the complaint obtained by uh, CNN. A second complaint, September 2nd, said the case was being brought on her behalf, seeking to redress the defamatory statements about her race that Boynton Beach had made and alleged negligence on the city's part in failing to properly oversee and improve use of likeness of Clemens. Clemens had approved the photo of the mural, uh, and the City Art Commission approved of the mural in November of 2019. Then came June 3rd of 2020. The mural was unveiled. It did not reflect Clemens as a black member of the city's fire department. Instead, it was altered and reflected her as a white member of the city's fire department. Uh, I saw the uh, the mural. It was horrid. It looked like you'd taken a picture of the, the people that were being honored. And they all looked like they'd been, like, uh, remember the old pictures that were overexposed? Like if you looked at a negative of a picture? Remember those, the negatives you could read? You could go and then you could take the negative down to the photo mart and get, to, get a enlarged copy of a photo or something. It looked kind of like that. Like everyone in the picture was super white. Like you couldn't, you couldn't identify their face really. It was horrid. Uh, the worst thing I've ever seen of any, that something that might be artistic or a mural. I don't know why this would ever be approved, uh, but I don't know if anyone deserves to get paid for it. Maybe just do a, a new mural and take the original picture because the original picture you could tell the people's faces. This one you couldn't tell if they were male, female, cyborg. It was absolutely horrid. I don't know if there's anything racial there, but again, this is uh, America and everything has to be racial now. And I guess Latasha wants to get paid. Maybe the other firefighters do too. So I, I'm thinking the city will probably pay them off and uh, get a new mural, hopefully. And whoever the idiot that you hired, they should never be allowed near anything. They should not be allowed around a box of crayons, quite frankly. Uh, so incompetent buffoon. Absolutely ridiculous. But again, not. I don't think it was racial. I think it was just strictly uh, pure and simple incompetence. Now, to close quickly here, Demi Lovato has said something, mm, shall we say stupid? She's got some news for you. If you call, if you use the term aliens for like space people, you are so bad. It's rude to call extraterrestrials aliens, according to Demi Lovato, who's an expert on, uh, yeah, nothing. In a new interview with the pedestrian, 
the unidentified with Demi Lovato uh, star says ETs is the preferred term. So now we have to worry about their identity, too. Uh, Lovato said, I really think that if where there was like anything like out there, like that would want to like do us like harm that to us, uh, I would have happened. It would have happened by now. She said, uh, this was a chat promoting the four episode series available now on Peacock. But I think that we're like having to like stop calling them aliens because aliens is like a derogatory term for anything. That's why I like to call them ETs. So, yeah, that's a little tidbit, a little information that I learned. And then she went on to say something about the Iraq and uh, people who couldn't read or something. Uh, what an idiot. I'm sorry. Demi Votto, you're an idiot. Okay. You're a moron. You are an absolute idiot. And that's it for me, my friends. Remember to support the delegator.com and the delegator daily thought podcast. Contribute at the delegator or anchor where you listen to this podcast at anchor by spotify thank you for your contributions i need them thank you i may go into the reasons i need them in the next episode we'll see but thank you for everything my friends god bless y'all take care remember if you're left you're just ain't right god bless america and god please give Demi lovato a brain and yes go gators Go Gators, LSU this weekend. Oh, it'd be sweet to win in uh, Drunk Valley. I mean Death Valley. Take care, my friends. Be good. God bless y'all. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Y'all take care and don't take advice from Demi Lovato. God, no.